Happy Halloween! Welcome to San Jose, uh, your San Jose podcast about mysteries, legends, hauntings, all the above. This is your co-host, Carmen Sanchez. And I'm Manuel Avalos. And this week, we are covering one of my favorite, favorite San Jose landmarks, the gorgeous, the beautiful, the Winchester Mystery House. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so, um, just a little background about the Winchester Mystery House. So, this, Manny, like, this was my favorite thing, like, growing up. I don't know why. I just, this was what truly, truly interested me about San Jose, like, the mysteries behind San Jose. Um, like, I thoroughly enjoyed, like, driving down Monterey Road or wherever you see the that Winchester Mystery House sign, which is actually the reason or like the the same idea for our logo. Cause that is I don't I don't think I told Manny that's why I wanted it to be like San Jose. But that is like it's such an iconic San Jose treasure, I feel like, you know, that 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 signage with the the Winchester Mystery House and then the the yeah. skull in the middle and you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely whenever I see that sign I um I definitely remember um I took the school bus growing up and uh, I definitely remember always seeing it as you as I was driving um to Southside San Jose to go to school and uh, although fun fact prior to recording this episode um. And this literally this week, I've actually never been to the Winchester Mystery House. Oh my god! I know when you told me that, I was so I wasn't mad or anything because obviously, like, go at your own time or whatever. But so I was just I was, I was bewildered. I I was because like I said, like that that sign, like growing up, it just it, it was so intriguing and mysterious and kind of mm. haunting where it kind of was like oh what is that so I, I wanted to go see it as soon as I could like as soon as I was you know as soon as I was able to and I get this I actually went with my Girl Scout troop so before we get dive into our fun spooky legend um, so I have word from Karen the ghost um, she came to me in an epiphany dream that I had the other week um, she said that she will haunt anybody that doesn't vote. Get that. And hey, I mean, if you're going to be waiting, if you plan on waiting or you think you might wait in a really long line to vote, uh, maybe hit pause on this episode now and save it for later because there's nothing scarier than the Winchester Mystery House except for maybe four years of complete, you know, tyranny. Oh, wait, that's already happened. <laughs> it's and already that's an excellent happening. segue into the full title of our episode, which is Winchester Mystery House, Feminism, Capitalism, and Post-Civil War Spiritualism. So basically, this is my honors thesis for college. <laughs> can, I, can I get in on that? Because um, I, need a, I need a topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of serious. Um, we will be talking about women's rights. We will be talking about capitalism to some extent, and we will certainly be talking about post-Civil War spiritualism. It kind of all came oh, together, yeah. and then as I was taking notes on this, I was like, wait, this is a thesis. So if anyone out there 
it, you know, works at a university and wants to sponsor my PhD in San Jose Scary Studies. <laughs> um, scary Studies? Yeah, because I think this is my thesis. Spooky Yuki Studies? I, <laughs> okay, so let's so, dig in. Let's dig in. Sarah Lockwood Party was born in New Haven, Connecticut in 1839. Uh, at the age of 23, she marries William Wirt Winchester. So, this guy is the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, um, which was originally known as the Volcanic Repeating Arms Company, but uh, the Winchester brand is uh, is more more known now. Oh, and fun fact. They created roller skates. So this company that was super famous was the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. They didn't only make guns and rifles and, and ammo and stuff. They also made roller skates. They actually had like a few other things that they made um, that weren't that weren't guns. Yeah, so uh, I yeah, I know I was looking on I was looking on Google. Because it said, I typed in, I literally typed in Sarah Winchester, and it said, Sarah Winchester roller skates? Question mark? And I was <laughs> like, what? No way. So I looked into that because, of course, like, you know, who doesn't roller skate? Um, yeah, so I looked it up, and yeah, apparently, well, I, I don't think she specifically invented them, but that company of hers that, you know, she inherited... Uh, began making them at a point in time. I didn't know that. So but that's cool. Yeah. So after they get married, uh, four years later, after their marriage, they have a child um, named Annie Party Winchester. But unfortunately, she succumbs to Erasmus uh, six weeks after her birth. So I looked into this because I was like, well, what's Erasmus? So I looked up... Merasmus on csidixie.com and Merasmus is um, known as this is basically malnutrition so I was like hold up malnutrition how does how does the daughter of two very prominent wealthy people like succumb to malnutrition well it turns out that you know this is just something that you know children would get or infants at that time would get and the people who have this disease actually lose their desire for food and they just they they vomit up any anything that they have so it's literally like it's not just malnutrition it's their, their body just regurgit regurgitates anything that um is gets put into them so it's not like they were horrible parents it's not like you know they they couldn't ha handle a child um and especially like they're so wealthy you know they had to have like caretakers and stuff like that so it's not like their child just died because of poor poor caretaking so moving forward with the timeline uh in 1881 sarah's husband dies of tb which is tuberculosis she inherits 20 million dollars um, because her husband was wealthy, um, which is equivalent to over $530 million in today's money. So, that oh, and then on top of that, she gets about 50% of the Winchester Cha -ching. stock. 
So she's loaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, that gave her a daily income of $1,000 a day, which is, oh my God, which is equivalent to $26,493 a day. Could you even, even freaking imagine? Th- what would you do with even $1,000 a day? I, I mean, I pay my rent? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, that's like the first of the month. But uh, like $1,000 a day, I don't know. Like, I would get all the roti buns. I would get all the coffee, all the bundles. I don't. I would just eat myself. <laughs> Except uh, in weight it's actually twenty six thousand dollars. So it's like I can't even imagine spending one thousand dollars. But anyway, I can't. I know. I would struggle. I feel. I feel like I would struggle to find any sort of way to spend a thousand dollars away a day. Like I would probably end up like giving the rest away. Like I would. Wake up and do my daily whatever routine, and then whatever's left, I just be like, okay, I'll, I'll a third of this money I will spend on my dog, <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> will go to uh, some sort of donation for, I don't know, St. Mary's or, I don't know, <laughs> something. Okay, so imagine getting this amount of money. Um, a few years later. She dips out of Connecticut, and she heads over to San Jose, California, which, honestly, who wouldn't do that, especially now in today, today's society? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you finally made it rich, that's, that's the only place I would want to go. Like, I literally, I can't, I can't right now, but I would if I could. So, she made the right choice. Do you know why she went to San Jose? Uh, because it's lit. <laughs> I mean that too. I just I, I. I just thought that was I thought she moved because she her husband died in that area, but I might be mistaken. So, her Why? husband. Well, her and her husband are from New Haven, Connecticut. They're not from here. Um, they're not even from the West Coast or anywhere in this area. But after her husband died, um, she contacted allegedly. Famous Boston medium Adam Coons, who had apparently told her that, quote, her husband was with them and that his message was that she was cursed by the spirits of the people that had been killed by their Winchester rifles. Um, oh, this is a quote. Sorry, I should have specified. This is a quote from the website studiesoftheparanormal.com, not from Adam Coons himself. Um, but... This is what Adam Kuntz had apparently told Sarah, and uh, he also told her that um, she lost her child and her husband because these spirits were paying the family back for their deaths. Um, because, you know, the their riches are based on, uh, you know, selling Winchester rifles, which are really just used for killing. Um, so this medium then told her that she should sell her home and go out west to build a new home. Uh, but apparently, this is, you know, as the story goes, she was told to um, appease the spirits of those killed by a Winchester rifle by building a house for them. And she was apparently told that as long as she kept building, uh, there would be a chance that the curse would be lifted. But if she were to ever stop construction, she would die soon after. And that's when she moved across the country until she got here to the Santa Clara Valley. Oh, okay. So, 
Yeah, because, okay, so, if I'm not mistaken, the, that gun, the reason why there was so much death and basically, like, she, she gained all that blood money, essentially, was because of the gun that won the West. So I thought that's why she ended up moving out there. It, apparently it's because the medium told her to move west. And the name or the nickname of the Winchester rifle, which is the gun that won the west, um, I think is just coincidental. But um, I believe... It, oh, okay. So the gun that won the west is how the Winchester rifle, repeating rifle, um, was marketed. And just also for further context, the Winchester rifle was uh, considered one of the superior guns at the time because at the time it was the only gun that could file mul- fire multiple rounds without having to reload. Um, and I believe, I couldn't find anything to confirm this, but I believe it's called the gun that won the West um, because, you know, people were traveling out West at this time and trying to conquer the entire continent. Uh, it's Manifest Destiny, which... I mean, it's, it's really just rooted in imperialism, so we could talk about that later, but, um, carrying on. Okay, yeah, but wasn't the, wasn't the Civil War about that time, too? Um, yeah, so, a little bit before that, um, her husband died in the 1880s, but the Civil War was in the 1860s, ended in the 1860s. Oh, um, oh, okay. And, oh, actually, yeah, you're right, I believe part of it, yes, yeah, I believe part of it was that I think the Winchester rifle was used in the Civil War, and that was part of why it got its nickname, but um, anyway. Okay, all right, so moving forward. So, okay, so she was told by this medium to move right. out west. Um, so, and she had to keep building on her house. So she moves to San Jose, and she buys this really uh, tiny two-story, eight-bedroom farmhouse. (laughs) (laughs) So, she is the original... Sarah Winchester is the OG Silicon Valley icon slash guru. Like, she she just goes, buys this peasant farmhouse, and then makes it into this huge mansion. So, um, it was originally named the Yanada Via or villa, which is um, the name of this tiny farmhouse. But later, it's it's coined as the Winchester Mystery House. So we'll, we'll get back to that later. Um, but that's just a little aside. But first, so she, she starts remodeling this, this farmhouse. Because that's no way for a millionaire to live in, in a tiny two-story, eight-bedroom house. So legend has it, she starts remodeling the home. Um, because she was tormented by those, those spirits, by uh, those who were killed by the gun that won the West. So, or AKA the Winchester rifles. Um, she, she starts rebuilding this home. People saw it as her distressed construction, uh, as a method for coping for the loss of her, her infant child and then also her husband. So, you know, some people like to volunteer some people deep dive into painting or baking, but Miss Winchester? Nope, that's not for her. Um, she just goes and she starts doing extreme <laughs> remodeling. So she remodels and remodels. And basically, like, like as the legend goes, up until the day that she dies. So um, she begins 
to hire carpenters and construction workers and work on this, you know, <laughs> lifelong, like, you know, ode um, to her love, or to her loss, this project um, that, you know, she just continues to do. And soon she has a mansion. So it says that she got her plans for this home by the spirits of which it was being built for. Yeah, so according to the legend, um, the method behind construction was determined through seances every night that Sarah would hold at two in the morning, every single night. Um, so there actually is a room in the house that's labeled the seance room. And according to the staff at the Winchester house, she would communicate with the spirits and sketch out the room that needed to be built um, so that the spirits could find peace, I guess. Uh, and um, she would... Oh, also, it would be helpful to note that Sarah wasn't a trained architect by any means. She didn't have any of the formal training. She literally was just a self-taught architect. So she would hold... Like I said, she would hold um, seances every night, apparently. And uh, she would hand over these plans to the foreman, and then they would build the room. Um, and uh, that's part of why the house is built so haphazardly. One uh, article I found um, claims that a lot of the weirdness of the house, in terms of how it was built, um, actually stems from the fact that Sarah would make a mistake or not realize that something was, like, suboptimal in terms of its design. And she was, I mean, she was so rich, she literally didn't care uh, if she made a mistake, so she would just carry on and try to build around it. Construction continued through 1906, which, uh, you know, was when the Great Earthquake happened. Um, and as you can imagine, it did do considerable damage to the house, but it did not completely destroy it. Because the foundation the house was on, was it's called a floating foundation, so it actually got to shift with the ground instead of being completely rooted in it. Um, so the house at its original seven floors was partially destroyed, and now it stands at only four. But that's, I mean, as anyone that sees a house can tell it's huge. So it's still really big. Um, thankfully, the damage wasn't, like, catastrophic. Yeah, it's still remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, that happened. <laughs> and Sarah, actually, according to um, some reports, uh, she was actually stuck in a room trying to flee the house. But because of some of the stuff that was falling and just things like barricading the way, um, she had to be saved with a crowbar. And uh, this wasn't her only property. Sarah actually had, I believe, two at least two or three other homes in the Bay Area, and one of them was actually a boathouse in the mudflats of Burlingame up on the peninsula, and this is where she stayed in the immediate aftermath. Some people called this uh, boathouse Sarah's Ark because she apparently believed that a second great flood was to come, like in the Bible, and um, so that's how it earned the name Sarah's Ark. <laughs> After 1906, um, the house continued to grow until Sarah Winchester died of heart failure in her sleep at a ripe age of 82, which was about 20 years longer than the average life expectancy for um, that time. Uh, and that was on September 5th, 1922. Oh 
Um, she is not buried here. That is uh, important to mention. She's She was buried actually next to her late husband and infant child in the Evergreen Cemetery of New Haven, Connecticut. For anyone that ha- doesn't know like what the house looks like, um, I want to get into just some of the stuff you know, inside the house, it's layout. Please look it up. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, if you can, I would recommend going. I'm, we are not sponsored. I'm not saying give them your money. I'm saying it's worth taking a look at because it is really interesting. But Carmen, what are, what is the breakdown of the numbers of the house? Okay, let's do this. Okay, so this house was in construction from 1886 to 1922. So that's 36 years of construction. Could you even imagine like cheese I can't um but anyway so this house is 24,000 square feet with 10,000 windows some of which open to secret passageways so that's pretty neat um 2,000 doors one of them is actually my favorite door which is called the door that leads to nowhere (laughs) and I definitely please look it up that's my favorite door it's like Somebody, I remember this from the tour. This, uh, like, our tour guide was like, oh, yeah, that's so that if there's any ghosts, they'll open the door and then fall right to the ground. And I'm like, okay, ghost, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, the ghost, the ghost is going to be taken so off guard by this door that leads to nowhere that it's going to forget that it can float and just, <laughs> like, sink to, like, fall to the ground. Okay, anyway. So, 160 rooms, um, and it was once, it once had 500 rooms, so could you imagine that? No. Um, 52 skylights, 47 stairways, um, and some of them, some of those stairways lead directly to the ceiling. 47 fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, um, and that's a little, um, she had some sort of obsession with the number 13, and the fact that she made 13 bathrooms is a saying in itself. Um, six kitchens and one shower. But wasn't that because showers were, like, just becoming a thing at the time? I'm not sure. I'm not, I didn't really look oh, into okay. the history of showers, but um, <laughs> I do know that it was custom-built for her. Like, the shower head is, like, oh, precisely yeah. right for her height. Um, which was, I believe, a whopping four like ten. I think she was. Yeah, she. I can't believe she's shorter than me. I can't. Continuing on, uh, this house was built at the price tag of five point five million dollars in nineteen twenty three. So, that is a equivalent to seventy million dollars in today's money. That's like average for a house nowadays around this area don't even go there (laughs) (laughs) but i mean it is true i mean like i said she is the she is an icon she is the first silicon valley guru like she came out here and she made you know profit out of a good amount of or like a small home and that's exactly what a bunch of people from silicon valley are doing nowadays so she's legit She's the OG. Okay. So do you want to, do you want to, uh, please read what you found, please. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to get into this a little bit more in our capitalism section, but 
I did find <laughs> how much they will pay in property taxes this fiscal year. <laughs> yes. The moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I found on the Santa Clara County website that they will be paying a total of $40,260.40 in property taxes this year. Most of that money will go to funding the Campbell Union School District and local governments, so like the San Jose and uh, the San Jose City government and stuff. Um, Yay! Oh, also a little bit of history that we didn't mention. Um, like so, after Sarah Winchester died, uh, a lot of her possessions and money actually went to her niece, um, and surprisingly. The house went to no one. She didn't write it in her will. What? Um, so what ended up happening after she died was that the house was auctioned off and a private investor bought it for $135,000, which is about $2 million today. Um, and then her niece actually auctioned off most of the stuff that she was given and kept only what she actually wanted. Right. Yeah. And then the investor that bought it um, who I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out who, like who that that person was. I couldn't find their name, but that investor rented the Winchester house for ten years to John and Mamie Brown, um, and we'll get back to John and Mamie because they they too will come up in our capitalism section. But speeding up, uh, the house is currently owned by Winchester Investments LLC, a company that quote represents. The Descendants of John and Mamie Brown. It is unclear and hard to find any information on who started this LLC and how they got their hands on the house, or if they have any relation to John and Mamie because they only, quote, represent their descendants. So, that is the Winchester house. Sounds fishy. But, uh, I do want to get into some of the stuff that really stuck out to me. Again, we recommend you check it out for yourself if you're interested in really knowing what it looks like on the inside if you haven't already. Um, but some of the stuff that stuck out to me the most, um, like Carmen already mentioned, the door to nowhere <laughs> on the left side of the front of the house. It's even labeled. Like, I remember I saw it and I was yes. like, oh, okay. And right now for Halloween, they have a bunch of Halloween decorations, <laughs> including a it's skeleton perfect. that just, like, is opening the door. Um, so... I don't know. I, I noticed they really like to show off that door, and I don't know if it's just because it's, like, probably one of the funkiest doors in the house, but I did notice that they... It's such a bogus door! <laughs> True. And it is closed... To be clear, it is closed off to the public. Like, it was in a section where, like, you couldn't go through, so no one could just, you know, open the door and fall out. Um, so. And honestly, I... Okay, it's not even that tall of a drop like i feel like it, it's you one wouldn't story die. It, you'd get in yeah you'd get injured so yeah that's why um the most expensive window of the house is also labeled uh it's very beautiful actually it's priced at thirty thousand dollars in today's money uh, and it has a bunch of precious jewels. It was believed that so a lot of the fancy windows in the house were done by tiffany and company um, but an employee there told me that just one year ago, they found out, uh, that not all of the fancy windows were done by Tiffany because they were doing some restoration in one of the rooms and they found an envelope buried in one of the walls. Um, and the return address on that envelope suggests that at least some of the windows were done by the jeweler Pacific American 
Decorative Company, which is a local San Francisco jeweler. So some of them were done locally, which was really hey. cool. And this jeweler was also competing with some of the biggest names like Tiffany at the time. So little fun fact. Also, you will notice walking in the house that a lot of the steps are tiny. Like they're like two inches tall. Um, and everyone will tell you that's because Sarah had arthritis. So it uh, was really difficult for her to walk upstairs and you know move her legs up so they're that's why they're really really like short um and it was jarring i will say (laughs) uh especially going down um upward like wasn't so much of a problem but going down you know it was just jarring because i was expecting a much bigger (laughs) step but then it ended up being just you know a tiny like at that point you might as well make a ramp and make it more accessible but um Let's see. Oh, yes. Um, the general number of random... I wrote this down in my notes. The general number of random closets, doors, and windows, even inside the house. So, like, you'll be in the middle of a room, and there's, like, a window to the other half of the room. <laughs> it, like, doesn't make sense, and I I just thought it was interesting. Or, like, <laughs> you'll have a corner of the room that's unused, so in a two... Like, it'll be, like, a two-inch wide little gap, and she's like, okay, here's a closet. I'm like, okay. Um, also... <laughs> All the bath- I mean, why not? <laughs> All the bathrooms I found, um, which were just, like, toilet rooms, really, like a toilet and a sink, uh, they all had glass doors. Like, that was not okay with me. I wouldn't... <laughs> there's no way I would have ever used that toilet. Like, ghosts and everything aside, I just, I'm not... I can't do a, a toilet with a glass door. No, but you gotta make sure nobody's sneaking up on you. <laughs> nah. I'm not about it. No. Um, the last okay. thing that really stuck out to me was the ballroom. And in the ballroom is actually the safe. Uh, and the cool thing that an employee told me there uh, was that it was opened after her death. And people expected to find something wild in there because they were like, wow, what kind of secrets is she hiding? It turns out there was no gold or anything of like financial value in there. The only thing that was in there were the obituaries of her husband and daughter and a lock of her daughter Annie's hair. So the only things there were the things that were valuable to Sarah. (sighs) That's a deep breath moment. Carmen, you found some stuff on Yelp again? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so before we go into that, I just wanted to touch on um, why it's called the Winchester Mystery House. So in 1924... Famed magi- magician Harry Houdini visits the Winchester Mystery House, and he does so on a Halloween night. And oh, um, doing this, yeah, he does. He is one. Harry Houdini is one of us, Manny. Like he, he's like, ooh, I want to go see. I want to debunk these paranormal stories. So he's he's just like us. He's he's doing his investigative research. He wants to speculate wildly. Um, so he goes. Uh, to the Winchester Mystery House, has a visit, does a tour, looks at stuff, and he's like, oh, so apparently the legend has it, he leaves with more questions than answers. So he coins the term that it is the Mystery House. They monetize that, and they're like, Harry Houdini said it, so gotta believe. So they say, uh, after, from then on, they say that it is the Winchester Mystery House. I have a fun Yelp review uh, for, from the Winchester Mystery House that happened this year. So, again, albeit um, it's 2020, COVID is happening, and the tours are cheaper and or, you know, a little bit more spacious. So, 
This guy, C.L. from Rosemead, California, uh, this dates back to uh, October 23rd, 2020, so fairly recent. He um, rates the Winchester, <laughs> Winchester Mystery House at one star out of five. <laughs> and he says, I went here a few years ago and I decided to do a review now because I just watched a documentary about it just now and think it's a joke. <laughs> so this guy waited a few years to do this Yelp review. Uh, he hadn't even gone for a few years. He says, Nothing haunted or mysterious about this place. Modern day people have altered and remodeled it so much that anything previously haunted, if such thing exists, is gone. So he says, Anything that was here and was haunted is now gone. So uh, it's more moder- modernized. He says, it's so modernized that previous ghosts don't recognize the place anymore. What? (laughs) Um, So, uh, his second paragraph goes, Also, I got so bored with our guide that I was playing games on my phone most of the time. I was expecting some eerie feeling, at least, but nothing haunted, nothing haunted about this place. By the way, there is a Chipotle right next door. Spooky, dot, dot, dot. You did mention it's cheaper. Um, I I didn't know how much they cost prior to COVID, but I paid $40 to tour both the mansion and the garden. Um, you can also pay $20 if you want to do just the garden tour. Uh, and then during October, they do this thing where you can go at night and have a flashlight tour. So it's like all in the dark, but I guess they just give you a flashlight. Um, and uh, that one is $50. And um, interesting... Uh, they, uh, let you take pictures during the day, but that's a recent policy change. Um, no videos are allowed ever, uh, because the company says that it's a copyright issue, even though the company that owns the house didn't build the house. Uh, that's just me being cynical. We do not get paid to advertise for the Winchester Mystery House. Just putting that out there, we're just reporting the facts and what is on their website. I took the time to look into some of the pop culture references regarding the Winchester Mystery House because I thought it would be really interesting to just show like how this small or what what used to be small landmark from San Jose made its way into a whole bunch of different pop culture references that we know and love today. So I thought it'd be cool. Um, So apparently... Um, a reference is made in Fallout 4. So the Fallout 4 DLC, which for those of you who don't know acronyms, is Downloadable Content, Nuka World. So it's referenced as the Grand Chester Mystery, Ho- Mystery Mansion. Not Mystery House, the Grand Chester Mystery Mansion. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like Even Fallout recognizes this, this huge landmark from San Jose. Um, also... Um, I, wait, wait, okay, so there was a movie not too long ago long ago uh, made of the Winchester Mystery House in back in 2018, all the way back in 2018, and it's gotten a 5.4 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you agree with that, Manny? Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was on my phone half the time, so I watched oh, this movie no. last night. Um, well, okay, to be fair... <laughs> No, to be fair, I just had, like, a bunch of stuff. Um, also, I was, like, trying to figure out with work. But um, 
I, so the movie, we can, all right, let's just dig into it now. The movie, I'll put it, it's, it's interesting. Okay. It's, it's cool to see, you know, um, San Jose represented this way. Cause I'm, you know, everything's always filmed in LA or like people always want to film in like New York or something. And I'm like, all right, cool. Some San Jose representation, right? Um, except <laughs> the actual movie itself. I mean, it's set in San Jose, but most of it was actually filmed in Australia. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they did close down the Winchester house for three days to get some sh- footage in there. Um, without spoiling spoiling anything, the plot line isn't based in reality or, like, on what actually happened. But the plot line um, it does have, a, like, a lot of that story is based on what actually happened with Sarah's life and what... Um, like what the legend says. So in the movie, you know, she's Sarah Winchester. She has the money from the Winchester rifles. She's building her house throughout the back, like in the whole background of the movie. Um, But the plot is that the board of directors of the company, like wants her to not have her shares anymore. They like don't want her to own half the company anymore for some reason. Um, Maybe, uh, maybe sexism. I don't know. But, uh, so what they do is they hire a doctor to, um, to say that she's mentally unfit, uh, to own, to be a stockholder. Um, and the overall plot is that the doctor lives at the house and the house is super regimented. You know, um, Sarah Winchester has a ton of rules on, what he can do in the house and she's like super smart and like outwitting all these little tricks he's trying to do. And, uh, she's holding seances. There's literally a seance scene and, um, he like sees ghosts in the house. It's uh, a little bit of a psychological thriller. Um, and then it kind of ends with the scene of the 1906 earthquake. So that's kind of the overall movie without spoiling anything. Okay. So the Winchester Mystery House also inspired Disney's Haunted Mansion at the parks. So that's pretty cool. Ooh. And then on top of that, there was the Haunted Mansion movie. Um, not necessarily um, regarding the Winchester Mystery House. Um, oh, and then another pop culture reference. So everyone knows Harry Houdini is like this uh, great, awesome magician. So get this, Manny. Apparently... There will be a Harry Houdini escape room at the Winchester Mystery House. What? Yeah, it's going to open up soon. Uh, I think it... uh, Coming soon, Houdini's spirited escape. On his nationwide spiritualism tour in 1924, legendary magician Harry Houdini visits the Winchester Mystery House in an attempt to debunk its haunted legends. He left with more questions and answers. Uh, be the first to experience the all-new escape room inspired by Houdini's visit to the Winchester estate, Houdini's spirited escape, coming soon. So I'm sure it's probably going to come out in, like, 2021 or maybe after COVID because this is ridiculous. Yeah. But there you have it. Okay, so, yeah, there's that, the freaking Harry Houdini escape room. Um, it's also featured in an episode of American Horror Story, which, awesome. Uh, and then also, the Winchester Mystery House, get this, was visited by Ghost Brothers, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, so Zach Baggins, uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved, and I guess there were two episodes of BuzzFeed Unsolved, um, when they visited the Winchester Mystery House. Uh, Mythbusters, Harry Houdini himself in 1924, as we stated earlier. 
and the famous clairvoyant James Van Prague in 2016. But he's not that famous because I don't really know who that guy is. Do you know who yeah. he is? No idea. But okay. apparently he's famous in the world of spooky stuff. So. Spooky yuki stuff. Okay. <laughs> so that brings us to our big section, our thesis and controversy. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it. All right. So a lot of the claims that the Winchester, um, you know, Winchester company, like the LLC I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the things that they have claimed have been either refuted or people have argued against some of the things that they say. Uh, I found this really cool book at the San Jose Library called Captive of the Labyrinth, Sarah L. Winchester, Heiress to the Rifle Fortune by Mary Jo Ignafo. Um, and I will, uh, I'll read you just like the synopsis and I'll also just bring up some of the points made in the book. Um, a little right, snippet of the synopsis is, um, you know, it, well, it introduces her. So we've already done that. But it says, was she really as guilt ridden and superstitious as history remembers her? When Winchester's home was purchased after her death, it was transformed into a tourist attraction. The bizarre, sprawling mansion and the enigmatic nature of Winchester's life were exaggerated by the new owners to generate publicity for their business. But as the mansion has become more widely known, the person of Winchester has receded from reality, and she's only remembered for her squandering for squandering her riches to ward off disturbed spirits. This book demystifies the life of this unique American. In the first full-length biography of Winchester, author and historian Mary Jo Ignafo unearths the truth about this notorious eccentric, revealing that she was not a maddened spiritualist driven by remorse, but an intelligent, articulate woman who sought to protect her private life amidst the chaos of her public existence. So, basically, that was a long way of saying Sarah wasn't weird, she just... There was, she was a complicated person, and we're going to dig into that now. So, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Some things I found, some of them were in this book, some of them for, were from other articles and um, just other sources, but some of the things I found that were really, like, controversial were that um, parts of the weirdness of this house may be manufactured or falsified and not original. For example... The earthquake's damage in 1906 may have made it easier to just leave, for example, staircases leading to nowhere. Basically, when the earthquake happened, you know, a lot of damage was done to the house. And then when they repaired it, you know, if there's a staircase to nowhere, it could have been that staircase actually went somewhere before. But when they repaired the house after the damage, they just didn't know what to do with it. Like it was beyond repair or maybe like they just didn't want to reconnect it to the next floor or whatever the case was. Some of that weirdness may have just been a product of rebuilding and reconstructing the house after the earthquake. Also there's uh, the, the website and you know, a lot of the places that kind of like advertise the Winchester house really like to point out the fact that um, there's a lot of 13s in the house, you know, some staircases will have 13 steps and some windows have 13 panes and, there's 13 bathrooms and 13 seems to be everywhere in the house. But some of that may have been manufactured. Again, this is pretty speculative, but it's possible that some of the 13s in the house were just put in place by tour guides and they're not original to the design of the house. Um, uh. Yeah. Actually, though, 
one of the biggest critiques people have or one of the biggest claims that people have refuted um, is kind of it's really central to the whole Winchester Mystery House legend um, that, you know, Sarah kept construction going day and night for years on end. Um, There's actually letters from Sarah to her sister, who she was pretty close with, um, where she describes sending her workers away. I actually have a quote from one of her letters here uh, that is in the book I mentioned a little bit ago. And she says in this letter, My upper hall, which leads to the sleeping apartment, was rendered so unexpectedly dark by a little addition that after a number of people had missed their footing on the stairs, I decided that safety demanded something be done. So, over a year ago, I took out a wall and put in a skylight. Then, I had to have plastering done, and as that could not be well be done in the heat, which succeeded, I had to wait for cooler weather. Then, I became rather worn and tired out, uh and dismissed all the workmen to take such rest as I might through the winter. That's literally her saying, no, we're stopping construction for several months on end. Um, And I also picked that quote because it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, that some of the weirdness may have just been because Sarah wasn't a trained architect and she she wasn't going off a plan. She was just building as she went. So some of the weirdness may have just been a product of the fact that she didn't have it all pre-planned and was just kind of like, eh, screw it, let's do this. And then she would realize something went wrong and she would try to fix it or, you know, um, it just, it, it's all just, it was all haphazard. Or even then she's like, OSHA. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, OSHA, <laughs> let's, uh, let's wait until it's cooler. Sarah Winchester had her, like, boundaries and morals, like, positive morality. <laughs> like, she was like, no. It doesn't say, she didn't say that it had to do anything with the workers' rights. She just said that it was too, uh, it sounds like what she meant was the construction can't be done if it's too hot or something. Oh, okay. So she don't give a f*** about the the workers. So that was some of the most controversial stuff. And that drives a big wedge in the whole, you know, theory that uh, this was the house of spirits and all that. And the other big, big, big thing and this is something i have a huge issue with is this whole idea that sarah's weird she talked to ghosts you know all these things about her being spooky yeah that came out of that time um because even then um you know people talked (laughs) and newspapers would make up stuff and you know this is this is the gilded age and this is the era known for yellow journalism So newspapers at the time, including the San Jose Mercury Herald, as it was then called, um, newspapers were speculating wildly about her motivations. (laughs) And a lot of them would copy off and build off each other. And a lot of what those newspapers said is actually the basis for today's legend. The Mercury News was owned at that time by the Hayes family. Uh, And yes, they are the same Hayes family as like the Hayes Mansion. Um, (gasps) What? Yeah. <laughs> and even though Mary Hayes Chinoweth would have never written bad anything, well, she would have never had anything bad written about her because obviously, you know, her family owned the newspaper. Um, and even though she was similar to Sarah in a couple ways, Sarah was unique from her because she was so reclusive and private in her life. And um, because her money came from firearms. So that whole claim of like you know she will die if she stops building and all this 
ghost stuff and you know why does she keep building a lot of that was actually just newspaper newspaper speculation um and this is also partially um speculative because at this time America was actually urbanizing really quickly so people were moving to cities and away from an agrarian lifestyle and previously guns were kind of viewed as an image of like necessary for survival you know people living out in the wilderness um and but as America became began to urbanize people saw the gun as more of a challenge to public safety you know as cities grew um uh, new challenges ar- arose so if you studied the gilded age you know there were a lot of issues of like sanit like workers rights sanitation uh and crime those are some of the biggest issues that came from urbanization so people started to see the gun as kind of evil and that wow. drew attention to sarah and um that's part of why people started to project guilt onto sarah we don't actually like i haven't found a single source that's like an original source from Sarah that says that she felt guilty about her money a lot of I've, but I've seen this recurring theme a lot and I mean, that's totally possible, but I think a lot of these newspapers and these stories were just projecting guilt onto her about the deaths caused by her rifle. And that was actually a major part of the movie was that she was like, Oh, I feel guilty. I don't like these guns and this and that. But I haven't yet found anything where she actually says that she dislikes the rifles or anything like that. Um, and just to add on top of all of that, because, you know, this is the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, there was more controversy because Sarah hired Japanese workers (gasps) and, you know, racism. But, um, that, that was actually another reason why she was portrayed as being so weird um, although I will say Japanese is not the word that the newspaper uses. Um, oh God. Oh. So uh, again, to, to sum this all up, basically what I'm saying is all this idea of Sarah being weird and talking to ghosts and being this guilt ridden heiress to the rifle fortune is, it seems to be mostly manufactured. It's really speculative and it seems to be just, you know, wild journalism and, uh, It seems just really unsupported to me, but it doesn't stop there. Um, Part of why Sarah was, you know, people claim that she talked to ghosts was because this is just after the Civil War, uh, like not too long after. And after the Civil War, spiritualism became really in vogue. And (laughs) spiritualism is just this overall ideal, you know, belief system that emphasizes good morals. Spiritualism became really popular after the Civil War because a lot of people were grieving for their loved ones that they lost, and uh, about 620,000 people died in the Civil War. Um, So people began turning to mediums, and they started holding seances a lot during this time. Um, And a lot of mediums were women, and they actually could make a fairly good amount of money holding seances with people that wanted to talk with their loved ones. And more and more, I mean, spiritualism just really grew and uh, gained a lot of credence at this time. Even scientists like Mary Curie and author Charles Dickens apparently supported the movement. And people were increasingly claiming to experience supernatural things during this time. Um, And other fun fact I found about spiritualism is that the Ouija board was actually invented around this time in 1890. Heck yeah. Yeah. So why this ties into... Sarah Winchester 
is that I saw that I saw this as a little bit of a Salem witch trials kind of thing where like women that didn't conform to the societal norm were just pegged as this evil supernatural thing. And it just so happened that for the Puritans in the 1600s, it was witches. Witches were really in vogue at the time, at least in, you know, their beliefs and in their culture, I guess. But at this time, spiritualism was really in in vogue. And so people projected this belief in ghosts and talking to the dead onto Sarah because she was a woman that they felt that didn't really, um, you know, stick to societal norms. She was, I mean, she was this again, this is late 1800s, early 1900s, and, you know, most of her life, or, like, she lived before women could even vote in the United States. So that brings us to the feminism part of our segment of this podcast. It turns out that a lot of really, really critical women's rights acts and policies were enacted around this time. A lot of them were actually during Sarah's lifetime. Um... I just was looking, you know, when I was researching the Winchester house, I realized, you know, this is a time I was like, wait, this is before women were even allowed to vote in the U.S. Were they even allowed to own property at the time? And as it turns out, <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of, <laughs> kind of is the answer. Oh, um, it, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it depended on a lot of things. Um, it, oh boy, it's... Um, where do we begin? All right. So the w- Married Women's Property Act of 1848, uh, that was a New York state law, was really pivotal in establishing married women's rights to own property. And actually, a lot of states used this law as the model for their own laws um, to ina- allow women to, to own property at the time. And also another thing that was happening in the world at this time um, the Mexican-American War had actually just ended also in 1848. And it's really worth mentioning that Spanish property laws were pretty different from English and American property laws. So American property laws are more sexist (laughs) or were. Um, And at this time, Spanish property laws actually allowed women, including married and single women to own their own land separate from their husband. And, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which was the treaty that ended the Mexican-American War, stipulated that the U.S. would respect property rights of Mexicans living in what was Mexico and what became the U.S. This was important culturally because a lot of people, both de jour and de facto, respected um, the former Spanish property laws, and this may have also paved the way. For California Constitution, Article 11, Promiscuous Provisions, 215, Section 14, which states, All property, both real and personal, of the wife, owned or claimed by her before marriage, and that acquired afterwards by gift, devise, or descent, shall be her separate property, and laws shall be passed more clearly defining the rights of the wife in relation as well to her separate property as to that held in common with her husband. We did. <laughs> Does this tie into anything when it comes to... Okay, so when um, she died, her house wasn't left to anybody. Was that just her own decision? It was, actually. She left it out of her will. Um, and again, it's it's not known why. That just adds a whole other layer of mystery to it. Mystery. Um, 
And I'm still researching, and I really hope I find this someday, how it ended up in the hands of the company that owns it now. Yeah. Um, because now we get to go back to capitalism. Bum, bum, bum. Woo. I mean, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they owe, so the, uh, the Winchester company, I keep forgetting their name, but the Winchester LLC, um, owes approximately $40,000 in property taxes this year. Carmen, do you know how much they make in, uh, every year? Oh, okay. How much? How much, Manny? <laughs> $5.29 million in revenue every year. Bruh. Yeah. So this company is profiting off of a house they didn't build, and somehow they still copyrighted it, which is really interesting. Um, I'm an artist, and as far as I know, um, usually you only copyright things when you make them yourself. <laughs> it's no shade. I'm just putting that out there. Um I, I just want to know why they felt the need to copy. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I'm also just re- really cynical um, because I, you know, we mentioned John and Mamie Brown. Mm-hmm. John and Mamie were the couple that um, rented the house for 10 years from the investor that bought it soon after Sarah's death. And within only five months of her death, they started giving the first tours. Wow, too soon. Too soon. And you know what their profession was? Uh, no, no, no. What was it? They were carnies. And this is not shame to carnies. <laughs> My no, cynical no side... No shade. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that. My perspective here is that carnies are literally professionals in monetizing the weird. So, mm. let's just recap we have this huge house that had a lot of construction on it that construction was not constant as proven through sarah's letters to her sister we have sarah who is seen as this weird ghost talking like person um that's being demonized by the local media and we have these two carnies who just came you know who just managed to rent the house and are now giving tours and they're saying, you know, oh, this is weird. This is weird. Sarah's weird. Give us money. And I mean, you can you can imagine, you know, just why that makes me a little bit cynical today. I'm not shaming the company. I'm just saying I think a lot of points in their story don't seem to add up. Um, and. I just think, you know, there might be other ways we can go about this, especially when you have a huge house and a housing crisis. I'm just putting that out there. Um, that That's a thought. You know, what if we just gave it, you know, made it a homeless shelter or something? I'm, I'm just putting that out there. That's my take on it. I'm not serious. I mean, like, I'm just saying that's something maybe to consider. I just feel weird, you know, that this company somehow got this house they copyrighted it even though they didn't make it and may not have anything to do with the people that originally made it or even bought it after um and they're making a lot of money off of san jose's history so what if you know maybe san jose bought the house and made it free for people to visit or you know um oh and one more thing on their property taxes they get a pretty substantial break um because they are on 
the National Register of Historic Places. So that's some tea. Okay. <laughs> Sips tea. All right. Okay. This is our last segment. This is related facts. So our first related fact is that the San Jose Mercury Herald uh, wrote an obituary for Sarah. And that obituary described her as, quote, a woman of the most retiring nature, extremely sensitive, and opposed to publicity of any character, who quietly donated large sums to charity over the course of her life. Um, the obituary continues, By her death, however, many of the unfortunate people in all parts of the country will have lost a faithful friend and benefactor. So, um, oh, okay. oh, actually, I did forget to mention, I have a couple theories on why Sarah... <laughs> was demonized, like, basically how this entire story came up. And one of them is based on this. One theory for why construction was just happening over such a long period of time uh, was Sarah's philanthropic side. She was actually known for being a bit of a philanthropist, which I would hope so if you had that kind of money. Um, She was... Mm -hmm. One theory, actually, that I found someone was speculating that she was maybe just trying to keep local people working because, I mean, you know, might as well get people paid. Um, the movie also makes a hint to this. I don't know if this is, like, coincidence or not, but in the movie, the, con- like, the doctor that was supposed to give her the, um, diagnosis is talking to some of the construction workers, and one of them is like, oh, well, she keeps us, like, working all the time, so we don't really question her, and he's just like, what? Um, so there's that. Another theory is that she was trying to build a house for her whole family because she was really, really close to her sister and she seemed to really just care only about her family. And um, this is reflected in the movie. And again, you know, the only things in her safe were the obituaries of her uh, late husband and infant child. So that's one theory. Another theory I found was that she um, apparently she grew up around a lot of carpenters and people that like milled wood and work, like they were working with wood. So one theory um, is that she was just trying to recreate her childhood, basically, and keep that in her surroundings while she was um, understandably alone and probably just, you know, traumatized. Yeah, Um, going through a lot of grief. I mean, mm -hmm. you always want to go back to that nostalgic feeling, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. One more theory I found was that... um, Apparently during this time, like the Gilded Age, a lot of rich people um, were actually experimenting with interior and exterior design. So this might just be one grand experiment. And my last, I mean, this is my own theory. Look, y'all, maybe she was just antisocial. And if she was, that's okay, because she was probably really depressed. She got pretty old, especially for her time. And she had arthritis, like... Don't try to force her into social situations just because you, like, feel the need to talk to her. Like, give her a break. She's, she had a lot going on in her life, and she doesn't have to answer to you, so. Yeah, that's true. She doesn't. That's my aside. Let her live her life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, some other related facts. Oh, I looked up San Jose zoning, like, um, how different sections of the city are zoned. You know how the Winchester Mystery House is zoned? It's zoned as commercial general land. It's literally considered commercial, not residential, because they're just making money off of it. Wow. So, wow. just putting that out there. 
Um, Sighs deeply. My, my last three facts. One, she saw the last great pandemic to affect the Santa Clara County, Spanish influenza, so she had no problem social distancing because hey. she was old and she didn't want to socialize anyway. Um, also, it's been almost 100 years since Sarah died. Uh, that was, again, September 5th, 1922, which means it's also been about 100 years since tour started. And lastly, Sarah could speak four languages and play three instruments. The ones I saw in the house personally were the piano, organ, and violin, but I'm not sure if those were the three that she played herself. Wow. I actually had no idea. Do you know what yeah. languages? I don't. I, I actually tried finding out. I uh, Definitely English, obviously. Um, I feel like maybe Spanish, just because of like, where she was living. Um, and just Do you based think on Japanese? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I want to say maybe not because I feel like, I mean, they still are, but especially at this time, European languages are more in vogue. Uh, So I would speculate French and maybe like German. Um, But again, that's completely speculative. I have not been able to find anything on the languages that she spoke. Yeah. She, well, she did have Japanese workers, so that would be cool if she like tried learning the language. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's right. my rant. <laughs> that was pretty great. I I applaud you for all that research and Thank just you. interesting, riveting radio. <laughs> okay. Are we ready for a short personal anecdote from a comment from Reddit and a actual Reddit post on the subreddit Paranormal? Yes. All right, let's do it. Okay, so uh, short comment, but in um, one of the one of the comments I found on this the Winchester Mystery House, jeez, um, I keep saying it wrong. Winchester Mystery House um, is that this guy wrote a comment saying that I went there and um, it wasn't haunted until like 2004 because when I went before 2004, they didn't even say anything about it being haunted. And then after, when I went again after 2004, they said that it was. So there is some speculation there where this guy, um, I guess before, or like uh, they got to a point in time where they wanted to make it more of a spooky mystery house, like haunted mystery house they wanted to target more or market to more people so they added that spooky element to it saying that it's haunted um but this guy i guess he went a long time ago and it wasn't that scary uh for him it was just really interesting and weird um but then all of a sudden it like around 2004 they started marketing that haunted um uh, aspect of the house um so he was kind of complaining about that and yeah, exactly. So, moving on to um, our other Reddit post, um, which is on the subreddit Paranormal. You can go find it on Reddit. Um, it's written by uh, someone named Spooky Speaker, and it, this was posted about five months ago. And the title of this Reddit post is, I was a tour manager for the Winchester Mystery House. So, I'm not going to read the whole post because I would take a lot of time. But some of the main things that I found really, really peculiar and interesting from this post was not only... um, So this person, Spooky Speaker, got a summer job 
as one of the tour, uh, the, as a tour manager at Winchester Mystery House. That is awesome because this person gave us some insight on how that how it goes. So you get hired on, they do um, your interview, and then after that, once you're hired on, you get one week to explore the Winchester Mystery House on That's your awesome. own. That's Isn't awesome. that great? <laughs> That's wild. Like, I would love to do that. Like, on your own, it would be so scary, but so cool. I'll quit my job like, right now I would want just a buddy. to get that one week. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't know if they would hire you specifically simply because COVID and also, apparently they only hire like 6 to 12 tour guides per year. So, Spooky Speaker said that... Um, one of the most eerie experiences that they had was um, that they were walking on the switchback staircase and they thought they heard footsteps and saw a shadowy figure at the corner of their eye. And I guess this is something that happens a lot to people who are either cleaning the house or walking through the house or, um, who, or even people who work there. So this happens to a lot of people. So um, there's no explanation uh, to that. It's just that they saw a, sh a shadowy womanly figure in black. And I guess that's a com complaint to visitors and workers uh, alike. Uh, the last part is that, um, oh, okay, so another part says that they saw a photograph fall from a high shelf in the ballroom and shatter, and then the sudden smell of roses in Madame Sarah's dead room, so where she dies. I guess the, the, the guides call it the dead room, but they don't, like, telling guests that it's called the dead room because nobody oh. really, like, they don't want you to... Yeah, associate the name to, you know, her actual death. But that's, you know, they even say that, you know, that's where she died. So, uh, continuing on, <laughs> there's a funny anecdote here. Um, it says, the scariest experience of all was exploring the unlit attic uh, in between a tour break with, the phone uh, with their phone flashlight. And so this beautiful third floor window, which can be seen in nearly every out online front picture of the mansion, is where I encountered a horrific, grotesque figure in a woman's Victorian morning gown. Its hollowed eyes and rotting face was literally set up at the window, holding a rose and pointed outward. For a mere second, I seized in terror with my phone light fixed for, uh, for me to see it was a rubber, posable zombie decor used during spooky <laughs> events. So that's only, like... That's the thing that they put in the window in the Winchester Mystery House to scare uh, people who are outside looking in or, you know, like looking up into the top, the, the attic window. And you can see a little, like if you drive past it right now, um, or like especially during October, you can see it like from, even from um, the street, it's like, it's, it's kind of disturbing because at first you're like, you, you kind of do a double take. You're like, whoa, what was that? And then you're like, oh, okay. You know, it's, it's just, it's just a, a figure in the window. Like, you can tell it's not moving. It's not doing anything. It's not spooky. It's not haunted. Um, you know, there's a reasonable explanation for uh, that decoration, you know. 
So mm-hmm. that's it on my my part of the um, personal anecdote side. You know, there's there's seeing there is mystery to this house. There may or may not be a a black shadow woman figure <laughs> in the home, but ultimately, you know. A majority of these things can be explained, like the zombie in the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, oh, actually, as I mentioned in our previous episode, we do have a map for our podcast, tinyurl.com slash If you go there, you can check out a map that features all the different locations we feature in every episode, so we will be adding the couple locations we mentioned in this episode to that map, and you can also check out um, some of the locations we mentioned in the Chuck E. Cheese and San Felipe Road episodes. Um, Be sure to follow us again on Twitter, Instagram, feel free to email us. Uh, We actually really want to hear from y'all. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear your own personal scary stories, anything that's happened to you. Um, Please. Yes. Please send those in. Please email us at sanhotsay at gmail.com with your stories. That would be awesome. Uh, We'd love to read them, and we'd love to read them on our podcast. So you might get a shout-out. And if you even then, you can, um, if you follow us on Instagram, we can, uh, you can DM, DM us, and we'll definitely read your story and potentially read it on the pod, if it's cool enough. If it's spooky-ooky <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, just send it in. Yeah. We also implemented a new feature of our every week's podcast where um, the first 24 hours that the episode is released, you can go on our Instagram story to vote whether or not you think that place is really haunted or if you think that story is really true. We call it the, the verdict. So go ahead and uh, <laughs> if it's... Dun, dun. <laughs> if it's still 24 hours... Um, so our podcast was released Friday at 9 a.m. So if it's before Saturday, 9 a.m., feel free to go on our Instagram story to vote if you think the Winchester Mystery House is really haunted. I don't know. Like, should we talk about it? Do I mean, you think yeah. It's haunted, what, Manny? What's What's your take? What's yeah? Okay, so I I don't know actually I don't know because when. I went, nothing scary or spooky happened to me, but reading about this this scary shadow figure that a lot of people uh, experience, it kind of gives me that vibe. But it could also just be people, like, you know, making, uh, making an excuse for something that they see or, you know, or just kind of getting spooked out in the moment. So I would say no, it's not haunted. I think it's a beautiful, magnificent place that everyone i mean if you have the means the motive and the opportunity you should definitely go (laughs) go check it out because like i said it's one of my favorite historical landmarks ever and it's definitely such a treasure to san jose it's something that i've always loved so what about you manny think it's haunted i don't think so i i think our listeners can see i'm pretty cynical on it but that's only because of all the different research I've done, but, um, I totally agree with Carmen. It is a beautiful place. I, I think I'll go back someday for sure. Um, because it, it truly was just cool to look at, explore all the different rooms. And, um, you know, I, I actually really wanted to do the flashlight tour, 
but I didn't get oh, to yeah. because they were sold out because um, there's not too many tickets, especially now that they want everyone to distance themselves. But um, I guess I got lucky. I got to marvel the house in the day, you know, I get to get, got a, get a really good look at it in its full glory. So um, as much as I think it's a capitalist ploy, I also think it's beautiful and it's definitely an important part of our history. So agree. All right. Um, tune in next week. We'll be back. And hey, Manny, do you want to go play some Dead by Daylight? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Stay spooky, Sant Jose. See you next week. <laughs>